This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode five. Today I wanted to talk about loss and healing, especially at this time of the year. There's something very melancholy about watching those leaves turn. Somehow it just winds itself into my blood and around three or four in the morning, I end up laying there thinking about all kinds of loss. All kinds of grief and regret. Things that I know better than to feel, but they kind of sneak up on me. Waiting for me to fall asleep. Even an older witch needs to be reminded from time to time that these kinds of things don't go away on their own. But see, I'm still teaching. I'm still a professor. I'm still gardening. And these things bubble up to the surface while I'm washing dishes or drying peppers, or taking my dog potty. And even though I know better, I tell myself, not right now. You have on your makeup. We don't want it dribbling all over the place. Looking like I'm the Joker. You know what I'm saying? So I swallow it down as people pull up in the yard, and I swallow it down when my husband comes home from work, and I swallow it down when I've got too many things to do that day. And then the fuck you stick hits me in the middle of the night. It knows I'm laying there. I've already been dreaming about that lemon cake we've talked about. And there are some things that I've lost and some things that have hurt me that I reckon I feel like I have grieved those things for so long and so hard. It should be over. It shouldn't be going on anymore. I'm a little impatient with myself. And so they become like little bones rattling around somewhere deep in my psyche and in my spirit. And they like to make a racket when I'm asleep. Before I know it, it's two hours later and I've bitten my fingernail down to a bloody stump in the dark. And still, I refuse to let any kind of grief come out. Now, I'm not like this all the time. But one of the things I've been thinking is I have to share with you exactly... How messed up I can be too, because we're all messed up here, you know? All of us are just these gorgeous, fucked up, beautiful humans. And any little thing can set it off. It could be fall coming in. It could be a song on the radio, a dream. But a factor that half the issue is that I've never let the wound weep the way it needed to weep. And so I'm in a constant and perpetual state of waiting for the damn thing to clot while I'm blood thinner. But let me tell you how I got around to figuring out I had a problem. I had some bleeding going on. Now, y'all know I can't do anything without an analogy, without a story. I don't know if it makes me inherently Southern, but I promise you, that's how we tell stories down here. It's slow and around the corner back around the back 40, and up to the porch again. And that's all you're going to get with me. So here's the story. 
I threw a bunch of old pumpkin seeds out into one of my little tiny pens for my chickens. The one where I put the bullies. I learned to put the bullies in there instead of take the victims out. Turned out if you took all the victims out, well, they just got more victimized when you put them back in. I'm not going to break into that story, but if you want to hear more about that, you can go read my blog post called Loving Harriet over at southernfriedwitch.com. But we noticed a few months ago that there was a pumpkin vine growing in there. Now, we have hardware mesh around that whole thing. There shouldn't have been any way that pumpkin vine could have gotten to see sunlight. But like life tries to do, it struggled right through that little, what is it, maybe not even an inch hole, and spread itself all the way across the yard. It wasn't very long before a pumpkin grew on it. Good size Seminole pumpkin. I grow Seminole pumpkins because they just seem to do better down here. And I don't like using pesticide. So, there's that. Y'all excuse my voice today. I've been fighting off some kind of something, and it's got a little bit scratchy. Either that or I yelled at the chickens too loud today. But I saw that pumpkin growing bigger and bigger, and I desperately needed to get back into that coop. Now, there were no chickens in it. It was empty, cleaned out, had fresh hay all at the bottom. But I've got a couple of surprise roosters from the last little haul I did. They can't all stay, and I need a safe place for them to be while I find them homes. And also, I need a bully station. I'm about to incorporate a couple really sweet little bantam silky girls into that coop. And I just about guarantee you there's going to be a bully. So I finally made my decision. We had to open the door. And there was only one good pumpkin on the vine... And it would probably kill it. And it did. I'd hoped it had rooted along the way, but no such luck. And I left that pumpkin out there to start to turn orange. But as that pumpkin vine started to die, all the bugs that were around it smelled that rot and came over. And I was afraid they were going to end up killing that one pumpkin. Well, yeah, killing it. Tearing it to smithereens. And so I went ahead and I cut off part of the vine and I brought the pumpkin inside to dry and to turn, to cure. And that's when I noticed that there was a break where the vine met the fruit, probably from all that rough handling, and a clear substance was weeping out of it. Now, even though I'm a master gardener, there was one thing that had just escaped my knowledge and that was what this stuff was called. I just thought it was sugars and water and hadn't done enough research on it. And so I kept wiping it off over and over until I noticed that there was some kind of rot beginning at the top. You see, what I had been wiping off of it is something called subarin. It's a really important substance that weeps out of these things. And at first it's kind of sticky. You've probably seen it on zucchini. Any kind of squash, really. But eventually, it becomes thick, kind of gelatinous, and then it hardens. Because what it is, is a protective gel. A naturally occurring protective thing. It doesn't just seal the wound. It keeps microbes out. It keeps bacteria out. And I'd been wiping it off. So today, I cut off the tiny little rotted tip. And it started again. 
That Subaru went everywhere. And I let it. I'm going to let that thing sit there until it is hardened. Because it's going to protect that wound. You see, it's an awful lot like I was picking a scab. Over and over and over. And I think there is another balance to be made here when we're dealing with injuries. Any kind of wound. While we need to let that subrin, clot, scab, and cover, we also need to let it weep a little bit. If any of you have a good grandma out there, or a good grandpa, I'm sure that you've heard, let that thing get a little air. Now, not all injuries are the same, and I'm no doctor, but I'm talking about your regular little scraped knee, or a small burn, maybe from making cornbread on your hand. I'm not talking about those large, nearly kill you ones. But yes, we need to clean the wound, but then we need to let it kind of weep a bit. And get all that out of there. So that it doesn't get infected. And after it makes that scab, as hard as it is to leave alone, we definitely need to leave it there. Let it fall off on its own. It will itch, drive you crazy. But we need to leave it alone. We need to let it scar. And I've talked about scars before and how I really see them. They're proof of life for me. And scars remind me an awful lot of healed broken bones. I remember when my son was 12 And he was playing a soccer game, and he went at that ball just a little bit too hard. And the grass was really slick, so he just kept going. That foot just became a projectile, went straight up into the air, and he did a complete flip and fell on his collarbone, which promptly snapped in half. Of course, this was in May. He wasn't able to do anything fun that year. He couldn't swim, bless his heart. And you really can't set a collarbone. We had a little sling that would keep his shoulders straight, but that's about it. He had to suffer. But the doctor told me that the next year when I refused to let him play right away, he didn't know that I wasn't going to let him play, though, y'all. He'll find out when he listens to this podcast. That where it had snapped and where it had healed was so much stronger than any other bone in his body. I don't know if it's impossible to break an old break again, but I do know it's extraordinarily unlikely that it will ever break there again. The way it heals actually prevents that. And scars remind me of the same thing. I've got a kind of naughty scar on my hand. Back when I was about 18, 19 years old, I put my whole hand into a mason jar to wash it out. And I don't know where the crack came from, but as I twisted my hand back and forth, all of a sudden it cracked in half and sliced my knuckle right up. Where that scar is, I've banged that thing. I've accidentally tried to cut at that thing. You know, we're all idiots when we're cooking. It's never cut again. It's thick. It's naughty. I'm sure it could cut. I mean, I haven't become Superman. Wait, wrong superhero. Well, anyway, you get what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that it makes it thicker and less likely 
to break open again. And I remember that day quite clearly, even though it was a very long time away. And I remember my grandma telling me to let it weep a little. I didn't understand. But she said that the body just did this natural cleaning thing, and if there had been any germs on that jar, that that blood was going to wash it away a little. So to let it weep. She told me that covering that thing up with a Band-Aid would absolutely hold that dirt in, and then we would just be dealing with it more, and the loss could be even greater. Do you see where I'm going yet? Well, I reckon I've beat that analogy to death. If you don't see where I was going, it's all my fault. But there's a part of healing that people don't talk about enough, and that's the other thing I want to discuss today. I tend to wail and gnash my teeth at the very idea of wasted time with somebody. May it be an ex-husband, a family member, an old friend, or even a life choice or a career that I gave a little bit too much to. I torture myself. That was eight years lost. That was 15 years lost. Or even that was three months lost. And that was the way I looked at things for so long, y'all. For so long. And don't even try to lie. I know y'all do that occasionally too. I would let that scar take me to a place of grief. Now, grief is a good thing. It's a healing thing. But not if you wallow for too long. And not if you rewrite history or tell yourself that what happened didn't happen. Or not if you tell yourself it was all your fault. If you're dealing with other people, they had a part to play. And then one day it hit me. It was not a total loss. I didn't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Take, for instance, and let's say an old love, and y'all continue to forgive my tired voice. There was no way I wasn't going to do a podcast this week. Sick or not, we must trudge on. But yes, let's take love, okay? Now, at the beginning, there is no way it would have even started if there hadn't been something beautiful going on. Most of the time. Am I right? There was something that you wanted to remember forever. That song you danced to. That thing he or she said. The way the light fell on their hair. Somewhere in the middle of a divorce, all you can do is hold on to a life raft. And I've been very guilty of beating those good memories right to death, bloody dead. It made it easier. I had to stay angry. I had to stay in a place that would push me forward. And that's fine. It's another stage of grief. But when it's over, when it's truly, truly over, there is no need to do this anymore. We all know how it ended. Why throw away how it began? You see, I realized it was me that was making it wasted time by doing so. There is this healing, suberous, delicious, deep healing that comes 
with being able to do something like this. To be able to look at a situation and say to yourself, it couldn't continue, it had become toxic, it hurt me, but I'm going to be damned if I forget that beautiful summer, or the way they held my hand, or the way we laughed on the telephone. You don't have to throw it all away. It's sort of like working with a time continuum. You can go back and visit these wonderful days, part of your life. They're not going to go away. And I think by pretending that they did, you're not letting the situation weep. There's this movie I saw when I was a young girl, and it was called uh, The Goodbye Girl. I think they ended up making it into a play. I'm not sure was a very long time ago, I think the 70s. And I don't have the quote right, and I haven't done a script because I'm sick, and I haven't gone to see what the original writing was. But the way I vaguely remember it is that one of the protagonists, a man, says to the woman who he's in love with that he can move on, and then he tells her a story about, I think it was a night or something therein and the knight had been in a battle and a knife or sword probably a sword right had been shoved into his heart it had been plunged in in such a way that removing it would kill him he would bleed completely out so he had to continue his life and walk around deal with anything that he would normally have to deal with with this sword sticking through him and someone asked him does it hurt and the knight answered only when I laugh it makes total sense to me the jostling of the laughter up against the pain of the sword it makes him remember it makes total sense to me but at the same time there's laughter Sometimes I think we struggle against our own natural processes so hard, we can't learn anything. All of these losses, all of these little broken hearts, and all of the big ones too, they're all scars. Beautiful, sometimes extra painful in the way of swords through our heart, but critical toward our learning process. Critical toward a beautiful life, full of memories and skin knees. I remember myself, my heart cracking in two. It happened very recently, actually, in 2016. And in many ways, it's happened since. But I believe, personally, and it's part of my witchcraft that I believe this, that taking away the scar would take away everything. And there is absolutely no reason for me to forget why I allowed the scar to be placed there in the first place. It makes it not worth it, doesn't it? To take away all of the beautiful memories? Well, then it's just knotted tissue with nothing behind it. You earned nothing then. Yes, it hurts. And if we want a life that has nothing to do with pain and we're never going to grow. We're never going to be spiritual people. It comes with the territory. 
But what I don't hear enough about is this, holding on to the good memories that predicated the deep wound. I hear about forgetting. I hear about wiping it out of your mind and moving forward. And how very brave, indeed. But in some way, aren't we rewriting history? If we loved once enough to get hurt, why throw away that too? Then we're hurting ourselves. And if it makes the wound weep to remember the good, then maybe it needed to. Maybe it needs to still let that poison out. Let that bacteria out. I don't intend to be so maudlin, y'all. It's not what I'm going for here. What I'm going for here is a way to somehow salvage all the years that I used to tell myself were wasted because someone was no longer in my life and that all of those nights laughing or singing our favorite song together or watching a sunset or learning things together or the hugs and remembering how someone's hair smelled like cinnamon, that those things have to go because I got injured No, they don't. I can make the decision to keep them, hold them dear like treasures. And I'll be fucking damned if I didn't earn them. Look at this scar. It's not forgiveness that I speak of today. Bat children, that is not what I'm talking about. Forgiveness is a private decision that you need to be able to do within yourself, and it cannot be forced, not even by you. And I'm not talking about some kind of forgetting of the way we got injured. I'm talking about something just a little bit more revolutionary. Something a little rebellious. Are you going to let that person who is no longer in your life, who beat the living shit out of your heart, are you going to let that person take the memories with them? Because you earned them. They're yours. You were there. You spent your time there. You don't have to let go of that. Y'all, it doesn't feel fair for me to say all of these things without giving you a story. And there are some stories I simply cannot give. I don't want to open another can of whoop-ass. I don't want to go back certain roads. They're mine. They're private. I want to protect the guilty and the innocent. I want to move on. I want a better life. Those are my choices. But I will give you, I'll give you a story that is even hard for me to talk about. And I feel like it's a fair story to tell. No one has ever hurt me as deeply as my mother. No one. It was her method, her way to tell me to go away, otherwise known as disowning. Whenever I made a choice she was not fond of, whenever I would breathe, honestly, I tried to count them all, and I think I've got a firm five, um, the last time being in my 40s. Instead of working things out with me, or even letting me know exactly where I had transgressed, she would tell me to go away again. As I got older, that meant 
my children had to go away too. And for that, I have a hard time forgiving her. The hurt she placed upon specifically my children, all three of them, one I don't talk about very often. The damage she caused in my heart when I was little, she echoed it there with her grandchildren. Now, she wasn't very specific that she wasn't going to speak with them anymore, but I wasn't to be invited to Christmas, and they spent Christmas with their mother. And she was able to very much get the rest of the family to feel the same way so that my children felt that they were choosing sides. And I want to be clear, I never asked them to choose sides. But that's just the way that kind of hurt goes. The kids felt that they had to choose sides. And so they lost their, their mima. They lost their aunts. They lost their uncle. They lost all of the family that they had grown up with every time she pulled it. The last time she did, I got a letter. My whole life was falling apart at the time. And the letter was closing the door on me again. The Christmas before, she had heavily suggested that I just drop the children off at her house and that my husband and I could stay in a, in a motel because that's how unwanted I was. Extraordinarily painful for me to talk about even now on this podcast. <sighs> Hold on. In full disclosure, I've had to stop this podcast about four times to try to get the words out. It is that painful. However, deep breath. How our mothers can hurt us. Am I right? I struggle every day. All the time. Not to forgive her. Because I've tried that for 53 years. (laughs) It's hard when your mother doesn't love you or accept you. But what I've struggled with is a way to salvage something from that relationship. I don't have a lot that I can find, but what I do have, I hold on to like a life raft. I think it was 1975, and I apologize for the emotion. (laughs) Not as tough as I seem, am I? She was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. My entire life, I've never seen someone more beautiful. And she always smelled like Sierra perfume. It was this old perfume, and it was very spicy and um, like cinnamon. And I'm not sure why, because we didn't do it often. Had a very tumultuous childhood. But one day, she decided to pack a picnic. The lot across from our home was empty. And I think they were about to build there. And it was beautiful. It was wildflowers. And so she gathered us all together. I was the oldest. So there were two others. And walked us across to that empty lot. And unpacked this peanut butter and jelly. And Kool-Aid. It was the 70s. Strawberries. And we had a picnic. And I remember the sun was starting to set before my father got home and her hair was this color of mahogany and it was just running through her hair 
and setting all those red undertones on fire. And she was laughing. And she smiled at me. I wasn't her favorite, but she smiled at me. And I was so in love with my mother. I won't let that go. I know it might be easier on the surface to heal if I let that go. But it's mine. It's a beautiful memory. And I won't go down like that. Maybe it would hurt less if I let go of the sun shining through her hair as she smiled. I'm sure it would hurt way less. But here's the thing. It only hurts when I laugh. And that day earned me this scar across my heart. You know, anger and resentment, rage even, it's totally normal. We're hurt. We want to rage. And that's part of weeping too, isn't it? That's letting the wound weep too. I suppose what I'm trying to share with you is this little rebellious act of not letting them take the good with them, holding it on tight to your heart, accepting the pain, but remembering to laugh. We are made up of so many moments. To take out one piece is to take out a Jenga moment and we could all topple over. Let's not do that to ourselves anymore. Let's not allow it anymore. Take all the beautiful memories you want. Put them all in a little treasure box into your heart. Weep when you need to. And love your scars. I hope that no one makes the mistakes that I've made. Torturing myself in the middle of the night. Because I believed that I had wasted my life or my time. I'm so grateful that I was able to come around and understand exactly how I got here. But I want to be clear, there are moments where people will hurt you in the most insidious and careless way. And it's likely, in those particular cases, that they may do it again. I am not advocating for new scars. I'm advocating for acceptance of the ones that exist. I'm advocating for a life in which we're willing to actually give that kind of love again. The kind that could get us hurt, but not necessarily with the ones that did it in the first place. I'm also not love and light to the point that there's not something that shouldn't be burnt in the backyard. Sometimes the best way to remember someone who has hurt us is to scorch the earth behind us. And I get that. I speak specifically of those scars that we struggle with late at night. I speak specifically of those places that have become bigger than our hearts. Absolutely weep. Absolutely rage. Kick off your shoes, witch, and throw those feet in the dirt. Scream. Bellow. Be the wild thing that you are inside. But don't throw away all of the things that made you happy. Hold on to those. In the most magical way, 
it's a personal warding as a very old bad friend whom I love still once told me you can't unring a bell you know what you can do you can ring a new one that's enough of memory lane today I hope you love your scars the way I love my tattoos I'm going to put up my pumpkin bread recipe over on southernfriedwitch.com. Maybe I'll go ahead and include a picture of that pumpkin and its scar. Y'all don't forget, run over to Spotify and hit follow. It matters at the end of the day. If you'd rather follow me over on iTunes or any of the other places that I am, that'd be just fine too. But one last thing. I told you that story about my son where he broke his collarbone, where his foot went up into the air and he did that beautiful somersault on that May evening. What I forgot to tell you is that that was the winning shot. It went right into that goal and they became the champions that year. He paid like hell for that. The last thing I remember him saying to me as I ran onto the field and stood over him while everybody was screaming in victory was, Mama, hey, I think we won. And he was right. Because sometimes, through that kind of pain, we do. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.